Are you ready for homeschooling to feel joyful again? Do you want to build closer relationships, remove some of the stress around planning, and enjoy learning with your children? Welcome to Your Morning Basket. I'm Pam Barnhill, a homeschool mom just like you, and I'm going to show you the magic and fulfillment that Morning Basket or Morning Time can bring to your homeschool. Grab your coffee or tea and let's get started. I'm joined today by my good friend, Misty Winkler, who is no stranger to the Your Morning Basket podcast. Misty and her husband, Matt, are both second-generation homeschoolers living in Idaho. With one launched homeschool graduate, another homeschool graduate at New St. Andrews College, and three still being educated at home. Misty is a co-host of Scully Sisters, a podcast for classical homeschooling mamas who want to read, think, and apply for themselves. She also has a website and a podcast, Simply Convivial, where she helps moms beat overwhelm and perfectionism through simple baby steps so they can love being homemakers. And she has the book, The Convivial Homeschool, which, hey... That's why we're here talking about fun today, right, Misty? It's right. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Okay, so I have to say that like I asked Misty to come and do this podcast with me about having fun in the homeschool and then we both just had like burst out laughing. <laughs> because we're Go ahead. Yeah, I was listening to your message. So, we have an episode about having fun, so of course I thought of you and I was like blink blink. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, two INTJs are going to talk about how to have fun in your homeschool. <laughs> and how did you say your kids would respond if they heard that I had asked you? Yeah, <laughs> I I am a decided not fun mom. <laughs> yes. I, okay, so bear with us, folks, because I have a reason for mm -hmm. asking Misty on to talk about having fun in your homeschool. And I think the first thing I want to do is like kind of define what we're going to talk about. Now, towards the end, we are going to actually give some practical tips about having fun. Misty doesn't know that yet, but I'm going to make her come <laughs> up with something. Um, but I I think I want to talk about this idea of making learning fun, because that is something that you hear about all the time. It's kind of like second behind my other big pet peeve, which is like teach to your child's learning style all the time, or they'll never <laughs> learn anything, right? No, I can give you a podcast on why you shouldn't bother doing that. But this idea of like, all learning has to be fun. Everything has to be fun. I just don't like this at all. And so I wanted to kind of Talk to somebody who I knew felt the same way and can help me like, we're doing this for your own good. <laughs> like set your, set your minds and hearts at ease that everything you do in your homeschool doesn't have to be fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure to try to make everything fun. And I think it's part of the clue that it doesn't need to happen is just how much work <laughs> really does take, how much like extra and even artificial things you have to add to learning, I think is just a clue that maybe we've misdefined some things. Yeah. We misunderstand. What it means. What it right. means. 
Yeah. And, you know, it, it is a lot of pressure and homeschooling moms, we, when you think about, and I could totally make the argument that professional teachers in a classroom don't need to be making any everything fun for students either. That's a lot of work for them. I mean, it would be better right. for our pedagogy to be sound than it would be for it to be fun. Right. But then you throw on top of uh, all the other things that a homeschool mom has to do on top of what they're doing with homeschooling, you know, they've got to keep the house and they've got to keep the toddler alive and they've got to get the kids <laughs> to all the places. And then to think, oh, now we have to go out and search Pinterest for hours and hours to find just the right activity on learning to add or uh, reading Shakespeare or whatever, just to make it fun for our kids. So they'll do it. That's way too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So if we're telling people like, don't tie yourself in knots to have fun in your homeschool. Are we saying that homeschooling should all always be drudgery and boring and everybody should hate it? <laughs> no, I think a better word instead of fun would be enjoyable. Yeah. And so if, if you're thinking that you have to come up with ideas and extras to dress learning up and make it fun, I would suggest kind of stepping back and thinking about how you're approaching learning and what you think learning really is, because real learning is enjoyable and kids can and naturally do enjoy learning. And so we can tap into the natural inherent enjoyment of coming to know something and we can help our kids do that. And, and that's going to bring us together and help the learning stick, but adding extra artificial uh, decoration onto the learning, it kind of distracts from the learning. It doesn't actually help, I think. Okay. So let's give some practical examples of this right here. So that people are are like, okay, well, this sounds really good because I'm tired of having to, you know, get out the glitter and do the song and dance. But what what can this really look like? Uh, do you want to go first and give an example in your home? Yeah, I think well, an analogy, which is another pet peeve of mine. <laughs> so if you start like with the preschool kind of years, you'll see activities recommended all over the place for like sensory bins. <laughs> hey, I like a good sensory bin. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like so much work. <laughs> <sighs> but there's a truth in the like desire to have a sensory bin or the benefits of a sensory bin type of activity is that, you know, encountering different textures and working with material and all of that is appropriate developmental learning for preschoolers. Right. So you could make a sensory bin and it could be exactly what you want it to be and in your boundaries. Or you could send them outside and have them get muddy and play in rain puddles and climb rocks. And like that is the same benefit. Yeah. But one is constructed by mom Right. And the other is just kind of letting them loose in the natural world. And I think in the same way, when you, you as you get to older kids, we can do things kind of both directions. 
we can set up our own elaborate, constructed learning environments, or we could sit in the living room and read books together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sitting around reading books. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much easier. Well, okay. And yeah. So like the whole sensory bin thing, it's, it's like, you're wanting them to use their senses, but they can do that in everyday life. And there's so much around. So take them to the park and take them on a walk as opposed to making the artificial environment where they're doing that. And this so reminds me so much of like you go visit a preschool and they've designed it to look like home. Right. Right. And, right. Yes. Where it's like, and everybody's <laughs> like, oh, I've got to send my kid to this preschool that's made itself look and feel like a home when really I could just keep my kids at home and they would get the same benefit. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's kind of like we're creating something that's really already available to mm-hmm. us if we gave them the opportunity to go get dirty, to go get messy. And a kid would probably love that and have fun doing that just as much, if not more than using the sensory bin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I love that you brought up the re- reading books because to me, and that was kind of my example is just, you know, the way we have fun in our homeschool is just to find a really good read aloud and read it aloud. And I don't get hung up on the fact that my kids are 17, you know, almost 16 and 13. The fun comes from, first of all, they like, I read the book to them. And so that takes a lot of the pressure off of them, you know, that that makes it enjoyable to them because they're not having to read and process the book. They're able just to listen to it or something like that. And we've also done this with really good audiobooks as well. And we enjoy it together. And so we get the shared story. We get all of the the benefits out of reading this book. And, and that's what makes it enjoyable. That's what makes it joy filled right there. And so instead of spending all of my time searching for these little activities for us to do, I can actually just find us a really good read aloud and spend my time reading the book instead. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another example, you know, to take something that's maybe definitely not fun, which for me would have been things, something like handwriting. <laughs> yes. Start at the top. <laughs> Start at the top, please. <laughs> you know, that was one of the subjects that it felt like maybe tension could run a little high, stress could run a little high, or it was a lot of work. And there's not really something inherently enjoyable in a handwriting lesson, which there is in a read aloud story. So I think two different ways to approach that kind of subject would help us realize where the enjoyment actually is in learning and in gaining skills. Some skills, it's not the practice of the skill or the learning, you know, the first initial steps of learning a skill that are fun or enjoyable, but it's what you're able to do afterwards. Right. Right. It's the pride in the work. Yes. So it's kind of like, you know, jumping a hurdle. Like if you were actually in track, you know, jumping over an obstacle. It takes a lot of work and training to get to be able to do that. And the satisfaction of the work comes, you know, when you win your meet, you know, it's the reward of the work well done. And so to kind of bring that into the more skill-based lessons that might have 
that might be harder to get through would be to keep them short. Yeah. To not belabor it and draw it out and make it torturous. Right. <laughs> right. Make it doable and short. And you just come back and, um, you know, do it in five minute chunks and then recognize them for the work that they did do, even though it was small. One thing I would do would be like, have them circle their best. A. Yes. We did that too. Yeah. Yeah. So they are recognizing that they did something. And so that starts to bring pride of workmanship and a recognition that they're improving. And that's where the enjoyment really comes in. I love that. Now, we actually did use something fun for handwriting. We, we, it was nothing I came up with. God bless Andrew Pudawa and IEW. We used something called letter stories, which was a lot of fun. Um, you know, because every letter had a little story that went along with it that talked about like, you know, C was for cookie and it just happened to go and it, but it was like a C was a cookie with a bite taken out of it. And so Mm -hmm. I really loved that program. We did use a fun program, but we also would stop. We would only do it for five minutes and then we would stop and I would say, circle your best one. Tell me which one was your best. And then I would choose the one that I thought was best. And so, you know, he just, we would have that little moment of satisfaction there. So Mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the perfect kind of structure of a fun lesson for handwriting, you know, keep it short. And then, you know, uh, lean into that satisfaction so much so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you, how do you bring joy to your morning time? I would say that singing is probably the element of our morning time that brings that or that packs the biggest punch. Because I think you can't really have a bad attitude and sing. That's my theory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you try I have the same theory, yeah. <laughs> if you try to hold on to your bad attitude while singing, you might find it evaporating. Or what I will sometimes find is someone who's just not willing to sing. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can't like, do oh. both. Both can't exist. Yep. The bad attitude and the singing can't exist at the same time. So you've got to choose one or the other, you know. And that's so important because when you're holding on to a bad attitude, you're making a choice to do so, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then that gives opportunity to deal with that. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of things do you sing? We like to sing songs that our church sings. Mm-hmm. And so the songs that then we're learning in morning time help prepare the kids for being able to participate in worship. Um, which was especially helpful when they were little and not readers yet, um, because they would go to church and be familiar with at least one song. So, you know, that means that over the years, we we always have family favorites that we stick with, but we have changed hymnals dependent, so that what we're singing helps us prepare for church. We've had a podcast about this before, but we kind of have two morning times. We have our family morning time, but then our group lesson time, which we do with friends, is also basically structured like a morning time. So it's like what you do with morning time, we've broken in half and do kind of in these two different sections. Right. And so we will do for like history, we'll do a timeline song or when we were um, reading a chemistry book, I have a periodic table song and that kind of thing to just help with the transitions and help 
get us started kind of off on the right foot. Yeah. Yeah. So I would say our biggest thing when the kids were little, we did do, um, the time, you know, a timeline song and we did, uh, uh, we did some of the little, like, uh, the planets and we had geography Mm -hmm. songs and things like that. And they did enjoy those. Um, I would say that for teenagers our the biggest bang for our buck has really come from doing folk songs and sea shanties. So we like to do those kind of fun songs, you know, a couple years ago, sea shanties were really big on social media. And so my kids, you know, saw some of those on Pinterest and were like, Oh mom, you know, like these are really cool. And I'd be like, yeah, we can sing some of those. And then uh, my 13 year old has an affection for waltzy Matilda. Like he'll just break into song at some, you know, some point. And so those are a lot of fun and so hard to do, you know, if you're, if you're feeling grumpy. So Mm -hmm. we, we like those. Hi, friend. We all know the benefits of morning time, beauty and joy in our homeschool, plus a time to connect and create relationships with our kids. But homeschool burnout can happen. So how can we beat it? Your Morning Basket Plus takes all the planning out of your morning time so you can create space for engaging and starting your homeschool day on the right foot. With access to over 50 sets of morning time plans, live events, a community, and so much more, we walk right along with you in your homeschool journey. Join us at pambarnhill.com or the link in the show notes and start creating a morning time you love today. Okay, I want to go back to this idea um, because I, I think you and I are making an assumption and I want to go back and kind of clear this up. So this idea that learning can be joyful, there may be some moms out there who are listening to us and going, yeah, but like none of our learning is joyful. There's actually nothing there. And so we homeschool uh, in more of a, literature-based fashion, like a, you know, some people might call it Charlotte Mason. Some people might call it classical. I don't call it either one of those, you know, it's just like, you know, but it is really book-based and story-based. And so I think one of the most enjoyable things that you could do is get your child in touch with a book. And I mentioned that in reading and reading aloud and making it, um, you know, separating reading the, the skill of learning reading from, reading for content, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm saying this as a mom of a kid who really, really struggled with reading and, and still, though he can read still struggles with it somewhat. I don't, you know, there is a time to practice the skill of reading, but then there's also a time to let's just give you all the things, whether I'm reading them to you or you're listening to an audio book, I'm getting you in touch with the good book. And I know you homeschool similarly. So I would say that that idea of maybe shifting and looking at different ways to homeschool other than just your traditional textbook and answer the questions at the end of the chapter is really vital to this idea of enjoying learning and having having fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, how we were educated growing up really affects how we end up homeschooling or our assumptions that maybe we don't even recognize we're making or some of the default choices that we make in how we set up our day or how, you know, what we, what curriculum we pick. I was homeschooled. And so I think that that's definitely an advantage in homeschooling than myself and for my kids, because 
Um, I never was educated for a test towards a test, which is, I think, inherently not fun and not joyful. (laughs) But sometimes we don't even down and grill you about everything you don't know. Yes, yes. But even so, I was homeschooled when, you know, your choices were Bob Jones or Rebecca. Right, right. Yeah, you had a choice. (laughs) (laughs) So I like to say my parents did Bob Jones in the morning and unschooling in the afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) And my husband was also homeschooled, you know, in kind of a similar, they were Rebecca, but. um, How do you even get along? (laughs) (laughs) When we first started homeschooling, we had a conversation about, you know, what were the best parts of being homeschooled so that we don't, so that we kind of, we make sure we pass those on and we really go big on what did work instead of, you know, we were young parents. um, So we were also very aware of all the things that our parents did wrong. And we had- We had that list going. It's like, well, what, what about what was right? And let's make sure we go big on those. And that was so helpful because we both said the same thing that, you know, the textbooks, I don't really remember anything from what we did in the textbooks and had to write the short answers, but we had a lot of time to read. And I remember the things that I read in the afternoon that I picked up on my own, you know, the free reading time. And so that really influenced the direction of our homeschool to be sure that we maximized that time. And we, you know, directed, uh, we made choices to try to help steer our kids to make book choices of their own and learn for themselves, that it's not just a totally top-down here, I, I've picked that you will learn X, Y, Z on this timetable, but that there is learning I'm directing because they have to, you know, on their own, they would not choose to learn how to write an essay. Right, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> or so, learn algebra. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, neither one of us espoused to a totally child-led form of learning at all. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and still what you, it's still learning is in a way self-directed. Yeah. Uh, learning is an activity of the learner. It's not something anyone can do to you. And so there is an element of control that we maybe want as teachers or moms that we just don't have. And so we can help our kids grow in skills that will help them. And we can give them time and we can give them resources. But one of my diagnostics, I guess, for our for each kid and where they're at is, are they learning things on their own? Are they choose, are they interested in something that then they know how to pursue that? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times that means books, but not exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I have one kid who is really into 3D modeling right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, like to go get a book on that is yeah. 
like <laughs> by the time it's printed, it's out of date. And so, you know, he's right. learning from online courses and YouTube videos and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. But then I have another kid who's really into, uh, you know, mushrooms and fungi and stuff like that. And so she's totally into the books. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's where it's appropriate. And I know you've always followed kind of, we, we homeschool in a similar fashion. You've always kind of set up your own path for your kids. Like this is what they're learning each year. I've taken it a step further onto the more relaxed side and actually usually let the kids dictate what we're going to learn, you know, the next year. So, you know, I don't necessarily prescribe a certain science or history or anything like that, but I'll go and say, Hey, what do you want to do now? I have, you know, some kids who just like refuse to give me any good stuff. And so then I come up with something. I'm like, well, if you're not going to give me an answer, I'm going to pick what I want to learn, but, or what I think you'll most be interested in, but we do follow the kids' interest in that fashion as well. And, you know, any kind of buy-in you can get from the kids, I think helps with the enjoyment factor and the getting along thing with, if everything is entirely top down, then I think it's just asking for pushback from the kids and not necessarily, I don't think that necessarily indicates, you know, total rebellion, but it it's because learning really is a self-directed activity. And so there has to be space for that. And so when we are setting up a structure or a path forward, a curriculum for our kids, when we can get input from them, that will really help and without it being child-centered. Like that doesn't mean that it's child-centered. Right. But it is a recognition of the fact that learning is an activity of the learner. Yeah. Back to this idea of um things we can control and <laughs> convivialness. You know, it's funny, um, I got Cindy Rollins newsletter, her over the back fence newsletter. And there was a quote by the late Lynn Bruce in there. And she was saying the atmosphere of the homeschool is on the mother's face. And I thought, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but that is, that is something, you know, when, when I talk to students of put your homeschool year on autopilot, one of the things we talk about in our vision is you have to put things on your vision that you actually can somewhat control. And the thing that you can control is the atmosphere of the home, because as Misty says, the atmosphere, mom is the atmosphere of the home. So how does that fit in this idea of having joy, the, this atmosphere idea? Yeah. Well, that's, that's why I, I keep using this word convivial, even though it's a strange word that no one knows. And well, more people need to know the word. (laughs) (laughs) Misty's on a mission. (laughs) Because it really gets to that heart of what we want in our homeschool, um, a cheerful um, getting along together while recognizing that that atmosphere of, you know, having fun together in your homeschool is, is a function of our attitudes as moms. So convivial, you can kind of break the word apart. You know, you have con and vive. So it it means like with life, if you break down the parts, Mm. So we're living life together. So we're not, it's not artificial. Uh, It's not a bunch of extras imposed on. It's just, this is doing life together, but it means um, 
festive, something that's convivial is festive, friendly, kind of working together on the same team with enjoyment. So that just, I think, sums up what we want our homeschools to feel like. And it starts with us as moms and not with the curriculum that we pick and not with the extras and not with the decorations in our home or having the candle on the table. Like those are all fine, but it really starts with us putting a smile on our face and us deciding that we actually enjoy homeschooling. Yeah. And we, yeah, we enjoy learning. We enjoy learning with our kids. We enjoy modeling learning. Cause you know, if you have Mm -hmm. a mom who's not wanting to learn anymore, that's like, let me just get through the day. Then I I do think, so if we are going to put pressure on you, <laughs> it's not going to be to cut things out, laminate them. It's going to be to fix your attitude. Yes. it's <laughs> <laughs> <That's> exactly <Sorry>. right. <laughs> I know there were a stretch of years that I had smile on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I needed to remember, like, this was actually the most important thing I did was smile at my kids, look them in the eye and smile. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I think that just goes such a long way. So setting up the atmosphere of the home. Okay, so I promised them that we would talk about some fun things. So (laughs) Misty, what is the what would you think you're you're either you think was the most fun thing you ever did in your homeschool or what would your kids say? Hmm. Well, my kids would probably pick something they did totally without me. (laughs) (laughs) Surely not. Come on. (laughs) Uh, You know, if there's candy involved, then that's what they think is fun. So in our group lessons with friends, when we do art study, um, kind of a a Charlotte Mason-ish, very ish (laughs) art study, where they look at the a printed piece of art and they have to point out something that they notice in it. And we just kind of go round and round and round until we run out of things. Um, But everything that they do notice, they get, you know, a jelly bean, a chocolate chip, a raisin, whatever I have on hand. So I think that's one thing that they'll remember. And then probably, I mean, really the other thing will be um, Shakespeare plays, which I don't have anything to do with other than the fact that I made sure we did Shakespeare from a young age. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up familiar and comfortable with Shakespeare. And then now that they are kind of double digits and teenagers, my friend's oldest daughter puts on Shakespeare plays and they just, they memorize the whole play and they, wow. and it's like entirely like hands off from the moms and they've got their costumes and their practices. And I have the most fun at that because this that's like, pay off. <laughs> yeah. That's your satisfaction of a job well done. They are having a blast, you know, just being with their friends and doing this thing together. And yeah, and I'm having a blast too, because I'm doing nothing but watching. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I would think some of ours would be like Mad Libs. You know, we did Mad oh, Libs yeah. for years and and just to go back through, even I kept them all. So to go back through, I should oh, really do this and pull it out for them and like read some of the old really silly mad libs that that we came up with um and then jokes like we would do uh you just break into like i would find a list of jokes or something and we would break into jokes and just have fun telling jokes about a topic so if we were studying space or something we would tell jokes about space but just taking the time i mean that doesn't take a lot 
you know, to uh, that's a way for us to enjoy each other and have that convivialness and that laughter and the smiling and things like that without me having to to do a whole lot of extra stuff. And then I think also just the the fact that they don't have to sit still in morning time, that they were yeah. able, you know, they don't do it. Uh, and now they're just kind of lumps on the couch. But, you know, for the longest time, they were very into whatever they got, were doing in morning time. So they would might be rainbow looming or perler beading or watercoloring or something like that. And sometimes I think, you know, the appeal for me to get to the table was to get to do morning time. Their, the appeal for them was to get to do the thing that they were mm-hmm. working on and call it school, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another piece for us is just that school, I, I like to call it, it's concentrated. <laughs> yeah. We, we do our schoolwork and it all matters. And then they have a free afternoon where they can do like their fun thing. So like right now, uh, my teenage daughter's really into her cricket stuff. And so she'll pull all that out and craft up a storm or, you know, coloring with markers or whatever things that, you know, maybe we could wrap that in and kind of integrate it with the lessons, but it's also like about our whole life, right? Live together and not just school. So school is one piece. And one thing that we can enjoy is doing good work and getting it done and moving on to our hobbies. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say to the mom where like school is taking a really long time in her day? How do you keep your school day short? Because how old are the three that you're homeschooling right now? Right now, I have a 15-year-old, 13-year-old, and 10-year-old. So how do you keep that school day within what, four hours? So that, um, you know, they do have time to do that extra stuff. We don't do every subject every day. We don't do extra activities. You know, there's no presentations or craft, like the craft projects don't, aren't a part of our schoolwork. They are extra hobby time things. And let short lessons. Yeah. Yeah. Short lessons. Well, I think in, right now it's actually, it feels easier to get things done in a shorter amount of time because there aren't toddlers and like <laughs> everyone can be- read themselves. Like it felt like earlier when there were five kids and even if I was only homeschooling three, then the younger grades take more time yeah. because there's more interruptions, there's more transitions. Um, so I do kind of feel like I'm on the downhill. Like right. I've, already, I've I've passed the hump, and I, we're just kind of going downhill at this point in our homeschool. Hopefully, not actually like downhill. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but even your 15 year old is is able really to get the work done within yeah. that reasonable amount of time, so she can have time to to go off and do the things that she really really enjoys. And you know, it's funny because. Uh, Actually, it came up in our community a few days ago. Somebody was like, well, I'm going on a field trip. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to meet family, uh, you know, in another town. What are the fun things to see? And when you do field trips with your kids, like what other things do you make them do? And I came in and commented. I said, don't ruin a good field trip by making them do things. <laughs> and the same with holidays. 
you know, I'm all for like, like, yeah, every once in a while, if you want to do like one activity related to the holiday or something, that's great. But don't don't ruin a good holiday by making like by coming up with there's no need to count your Halloween candy. Right. Just eat right. it. You know, <laughs> things you don't need to add school to life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should add life to school, not school to life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I do. I do think. Yeah, there's there's so much. And when you have this homeschooling lifestyle, you really can lean into the the life part, the home part and leave some of the school part uh, behind. And it, it, it does just become more enjoyable. And when your school day is more enjoyable, when your homeschool is more enjoyable, when the atmosphere of your home is more enjoyable for everybody, then you have like there's no you don't even feel the need to try to artificially make things fun all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it evens it out. So when you do have something, you know, like algebra or writing an essay and there are tears, it kind of, it still balances out. And I think that that's one of my concerns with someone who thinks that it's their job to make everything fun is that then when you have math tears or drama around whatever assignment that it is an instant fail. Yeah. When we've defined success as everyone having fun all the time. Yeah. When the success is actually overcoming an obstacle and there is enjoyment and satisfaction in having a struggle and overcoming it. And so we can help our kids through those struggles and then help them notice at the end, like, look, look at what you did. Like, look, now you have, you didn't think that you could do it, but look at this excellent four page paper. We have one of those was due today for a different class, for class for another teacher. (laughs) I was like, But there's you did it. You did it. (laughs) There's great satisfaction. And then I would say, okay, now that we've done that, let's like go get donuts or something. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) And there's your fun. (laughs) Get the candy, get the donuts, and just have yeah, it's an that's a part of enjoying life together and celebrating. Celebrating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Love it. Love it so much. Well, Misty, for two INTJs, like I thought this is going to be the shortest podcast ever us talking about <laughs> fun, but we actually did like we we did ourselves proud. So. <laughs> <laughs> Let's celebrate. <laughs> that's right. Let's go have donuts. Um all right, so tell everybody where they can find your simplified organization but also simply convivial. Or the convivial homeschool. That's what I was after. (laughs) Yes. So uh, my book, The Convivial Homeschool, Gospel Encouragement for Keeping Your Sanity While Living and Learning Alongside Your Kids is on Amazon. And uh, then I blog and do video and podcasting at simplyconvivial.com. And wherever you get podcasts, you can find the Simply Convivial podcast, which are 10-minute pep talks for uh, organizing your home and mostly your attitude, and then also simplified organization. And those are like 15 minute episodes with interviews with other moms and how they manage busy lives. Love it. Love it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Pam. This was a lot of fun. 
Thanks so much for listening to Your Morning Basket. If you are ready to spend less time planning and more time engaged in learning with your children, join Your Morning Basket Plus, a monthly membership with everything you need to start a morning time practice in your homeschool. To join, head on over to ymbplus.com and I'll see you there.